Hey guys, Amanda here. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to tell you about apartment life. Did you know that 95% of people living in apartments aren't connected to a local church? Our friends at Apartment Life bring believers into apartment communities to host events and care for fellow residents in times of need. Those experiences can open the door to meet people right where they are with the hope of the gospel, even in a pandemic. Apartment Life has connected more than 65,000 residents with a local church over the last 20 years. If you're passionate about loving your neighbors, visit apartmentlife.org slash shereadstruth for all the details. Okay, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And this is our fourth and final episode in our series on the presence of God. This has been a beautiful study, and this is the perfect episode to end with. We have our new friend, Dr. Scott Duvall. Dr. Duvall is a professor at Washita Baptist in Arkansas. He also co-wrote a book called God's Relational Presence that really heavily influenced the creation of this reading plan. So we're just thrilled to talk to him. It was a great conversation, and we think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's get to it. But your book, God's Relational Presence, that you wrote with Dr. Hayes, who is another professor at Washita, yeah, is that correct? Yes, yeah, we've been okay. for a long time. Okay, well, we're going to get to talk to him in a handful of weeks um, oh, about good. a different plan. Yeah, we're excited we'll talk about Daniel that. with him. Daniel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I hope he's up for the task because we're not sure we are. So yeah. it'll be fine. Your book was really central to the study that went into this study that we've created for this year's truth community. And we're just so thankful. And I don't know that we'll look at the Bible the same way. Yeah. You know, Danny and I, we've taught together for almost 30 years and him being Old Testament, my being New Testament in terms, especially, we just kept coming up to this basic theme that God is with us and you know, over and over and over again, we thought, this is probably the main point of the whole story. So, <laughs> you know, that's what's behind that. But, yeah, you know, it's like, how do you miss that? Yeah. <laughs> but it can happen. It yeah, can happen. Yeah. And I think yeah. we focused on a lot of other really important things. But, you know, God, he wanted us and he wants yeah. to be with us. And so he's come after us. It's not just us wanting him, it's him wanting us. And that's, and sometimes it's only him wanting us, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 About the Old Testament. So we have a survey that we send out to podcast guests before they join us. And Dr. Duvall, you, it was interesting. I loved the things that you wrote about yourself or someone wrote about you. Uh, (laughs) One of the descriptors was an introvert who values community. And I thought, oh, we can be kindred spirits on that. (laughs) I highlighted that when I was reading about you. Give me me two or three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the other thing that I thought was so fascinating, we asked if there were topics or anything that you had been studying lately, and you gave three, and it was God's presence, hope, and the condition of our culture. And I thought, ooh, like there's a thread there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think we're all just— dumbfounded by everything that's going on in the world and trying to make sense of it. And I told a class this morning, I said, you know, what gives me hope is you guys, because, you know, your flashlight is bright and you're grounded in the word and you're passionate about Jesus. 
And when your flashlight's burning at noon, it's not that obvious, but you know, the sun's going down and mm. when it comes out at midnight, you could see things. So I think just, That's good. you know, what the church is going to be able to do if she stays, you know, connected to Jesus will be amazing during this time, but it's a crazy, weird world. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm excited to have you on for this specific week of this study because this has been a four-week series, and this is the last week of the four. And so the first three, we've talked about God's presence, (laughs) but we've talked about, we sort of traced it a little bit through Scripture, which, you know, your book does just so intensely and beautifully. So nothing to the tune of that, but a higher, kind of a higher level backing it up for you. Mm -hmm. And it has been, we've learned a lot. Yeah, I believe our community has as well. And so it's shown us kind of who God is and how his presence is a reality in our lives. And this fourth week is kind of, you know, sometimes we borrow from Francis Schaeffer and say, how now shall we live? How then shall we live? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if given what we've studied in weeks one through three, what now? And that's kind of this fourth week is sort of the application of the mm-hmm. first three yeah. yeah, to look at what God's relational presence means to us. Another way to say that even is that In week two, we started in the garden with God's presence. And then last week, we ended in Revelation 21. We kind of Mm. bookended it with these two portions of all of Scripture outside of the fall and that sit with God and humanity together in God's presence. And, you know, Whitney last week challenged us not to skip too quickly to Revelation 21 because those first 20 chapters are where we are now. And there's the urgency there. And so I'm excited this week to now just kind of how now shall we live to talk about everything that those first 20 chapters of Revelation in a sense, but obviously going through this week's reading plan, talk to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, even going back to who God is, I mean, think about God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit in this eternal community and thinking, you know, he didn't have to make us. (laughs) I mean, he is perfect community in and of himself. Right. Yeah. So the fact that he did create us and loves us so deeply means that he wants to be with us. And I can wake up in the morning and think, that's why I exist, to relate to my creator, redeemer, God, who didn't have to adopt us. Right. But, you know, wanted the kids. So. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, and in the reading that we start with this week, we start with God promises his presence. So we've traced God's presence in Scripture, but then this last week, we kind of go back to the beginning for a minute and say, like, okay, well, let's trace this promise of his presence that began with Abram. in that covenant with Abram. But then even in today's reading, we get Abram, we get Isaac, we get Jacob, and so many instances of I will be with you and bless you. I will be with you and bless you. A couple of these days, I was asking myself the same question, and I want to ask it to the two of you because I don't know the answer. But, you know, because we talk about God's presence, it's clearly related with blessing. And our our key verse from Psalm 73, 28 is God's presence is my good. And so what is the relationship there? Because I think a lot of times we can get it, It's close, but a little bit off where we think like, okay, God's presence brings blessing. But 
I think what we're seeing in Scripture is that God's presence is the blessing, and there's right. a different. And so I've been asking myself the question: of like, is that semantics, or is there something substantive there? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it? Yeah. yeah. What is that relationship between God's presence and blessing? Yeah, I think, uh, and Rachel, you will probably have some great ideas on this too. But I think because we've been made in God's image we reflect God in ways that we just breeze right past sometimes. So when you think about you and your families, you know, and those listeners who have kids, nieces or nephews, you know, it doesn't really matter where a kid is as long as they're with the people that love them and care for them. I mean, we've had some crazy family experiences where we were wanting this spectacular experience for the kids and it didn't work out that way. And they didn't care because they were with us. Yeah, you know, they just wanted to be safe and secure and with mom and dad. And I think, you know, that's part of what's going on with the whole story of the Bible is that God wants us to be with him. And finally, we get to the place of realizing that is the goal of my whole life. That's what I want. That's the fulfilling thing about my entire life is just to be with him. And, you know, I think in our culture right now, we've got a lot of, and this this has invaded the church, unfortunately, but you've got a lot of people who want the kingdom, all the good things without the king, as uh, Mark <laughs> yeah. Sayer says. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so when you realize it's not really the good things that we want, we really want the king. You yeah. know, we want to be with him. That's what Augustine said, my soul won't rest until it rests in you. I mean, yeah. that is the fulfillment of, yeah. of that's the whole reason we were created and why we exist. And so you can tap into that the rest of your life and the rest of eternal life, huh? <laughs> right, right. We have twin boys who are 10, and they just started a new school program, and they had to fill out, like, the All About Me sheet. And so I love those because I, you know, stole it and was like, oh, what did, what did they say? And yeah. because they're twins, it's funny because sometimes they'll have the same answers and sometimes they'll be different. And they were like, they were asked to rank, like, you know, where are you in your birth order, essentially? I don't know how it was worded. And they actually ordered themselves, even though they're twins, because Luke is like, I was born first. And so he was like, oh, I'm the second oldest. And the other was like, I'm the third old. Anyway, but it, so it's always entertaining. But one of them, it said, where's your favorite place on earth? And one of them said, my house. And I just thought I took a photo of that in case their teacher took it because I wanted to keep it and remember. But it's not because our house is wonderful. It's because that's where his family is. And yeah. And so that, you know, as his mom, it just made me like, okay. It made me exhale a little bit to think there's a lot going on and are stressed about a lot of things and new school being one of them. But to know that, that like he has a place where he feels like he belongs. And that really is, as believers, that for us, I mean, I think somewhere in this week we read that, you know, the one of the Psalms about dwelling in the house of the Lord, or maybe that was last week. But either way, like that is what we long for, mm-hmm. even when we don't realize it's what we're longing for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was looking at the first day of this week and was just really captured by the story of Jacob. Um, yeah. And, you know, how that sort of connects back to Matthew. You know, mm-hmm. you see some incredible connections there and how it connects to John. And just, I think when the New Testament writers read these stories, you know, they're pulling these in and 
there's this verse in John 1, John 1 that talks about Jesus sort of being the staircase, you know, and you know, when heaven opens and Jacob sees these angels going up and down and then in John, we see that this staircase, this up and down, this gap, the one who bridges this gap between heaven and earth is Jesus. He doesn't just show us the way he is the way. And yeah. that just, you know, you just, you just are blown by that. Yeah. That's so good. Let me read that for us. It's Genesis 28. I'll start at 10 to give us a little bit of context. So Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head and lay down in the place. And he dreamed a stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky and God's angels were going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out toward the west, the east, the north and the south. All of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And then here's verse 15. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then we yeah, get, of I course, Jacob saying, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. <laughs> I know. And if that's, you know, if Jesus is God's house, yeah. God's temple, then what your boys were saying is so godlike. Mm-hmm. You know, this is yeah. where they experienced Jesus. I mean, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, these first days of this final week really do kind of walk us through the patriarchs. Like we're seeing yeah. Yeah. God's promise of his presence to Abraham saying, you know, live in my presence and be blameless. I'll be the one to show you. And then we go through Jacob and he is renamed Israel. And that's Genesis 35. And so many of these things, we also get the theophany of Jacob wrestling with a man of God. We get this moment and that wrestling for the blessing. And then we go the next day into the book of Joshua and we get these beautiful, not just initial commitments, but double downs from God of reaffirming and reassuring Joshua that just because it's a new person, he's the same God. And his promise is the same. So you may not be Moses. You may not be, but I'm God. And Mm -hmm. I'll be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave or abandon you. And then he says in verse 17 of chapter 1 of Joshua, certainly the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. And we get these promises, these ongoing threads of I promise my presence to you. Anyway, it's just, it's sweet to kind of, Having done the work over the last several weeks of watching the manifest presence of God and that theme, that thread through Scripture, now to go back and see the way that God talks about His promise. Oh, it's easy to miss, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. then once you start seeing it, you're thinking, well, I'm it's just kind of everywhere. fumbling around with my words because I can't describe this. It's yeah. just right. everywhere. Right. And I love the callback to Moses that is repeated because that means something to Joshua and it should mean something to us as we look back over scripture, like, because even when I don't feel God's presence or even when I struggle to believe God's presence, Mm -hmm. it doesn't rest on my feeling. 
or even my belief, Mm -hmm. I can look back and see the proof text, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can see the stories and I can see how God has been present with his people and how he has made good on his promises. And where if my emotion falls short, which it so often does, or if it is skewed, God's presence with me doesn't rely on that. Praise the Lord. You know, like I can look back and see that. I also wonder, there's another kind of semantic thing that I get not caught up in, but I'm interested in, in this where the Lord promises to Joshua that he will give him strength, right? I've commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for I am with you wherever you go. And, you know, so often I think of the Lord as giving me strength, which he does, but I feel like I need to be more mindful that the Lord himself is my strength, which scripture teaches us, but just his presence, like his presence with me is enough. It's not, okay, you're present with me and now I must be strong. It's like, no, I can rest in your presence and your strength. It's okay if that doesn't look like it has transferred to me in some, (laughs) you know, magical manifest way. Yeah. Well, you know, in, when I read Joshua, I think God is with us, but that also means God is for us. Mm-hmm. No, but his being yeah. for us goes back to his being with us. I mean, if you yeah. look at the Romans 8 part of this reading, you yes. know, those, those guys didn't have it easy. Right. You know, we're being put to death all day long, counted as sheep to be slaughtered in 836. And at the end of this magnificent chapter of Romans 8, you know, God is for us. But going back to what you were saying, Amanda, I think it's so cool to be able to say his being for us doesn't mean my life circumstances are all just going to become wonderful all of a sudden. Right. My circumstances may get worse. Yeah. You know, I mean, there have been times where I've been acutely aware of God's presence, but my circumstances don't improve. Mm -hmm. But my knowledge of his presence is, I would say, even more meaningful Mm-hmm. in those circumstances. And so it just... Well, it, this is Paul. This is, I can yeah, do all things through him who strengthens me. It is not about I can achieve, right? of course. It is I can endure. And so, and it's through him who strengthens me. I will strengthen you, which mm-hmm. is the promise in Joshua. So yeah. when you talk about that, your circumstance may or may not change, but you have the presence of him who strengthens you. Yeah. In that case, Paul, I can understand now why you say... I can endure all things. Right. Yeah. It seems yeah. like we change, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good, like, yeah. What he's developing is our capacity, our conformity to Christ. And so what's changing in all this is us. Right. I mean, I got to say, yes. if we're going to mention Romans 8 and we're going to oh, mention what comes after verse 36, Dr. <laughs> Duval, will you read 37 through 39 for us? Yes. Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. That description of God's presence with us like nothing's going to wedge itself in there. Like nothing can, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it can't be pried away from us. It can't be taken. But isn't it amazing how quickly we, as believers, how quick we are to think that it can, 
that it can right. be taken away or that we are at risk, mm-hmm. but we are secure and we're more than conquerors. Or that something matters more than that right there that yeah. I just read. Yeah. That's what I feel like I'm very prone to believe. They're like, yeah, yeah, this is true, but there's this other thing that matters more right now mm-hmm. or has more consequence on mm-hmm. my life or more impact on me. And it's just, it's just our limited yeah. purview, you know, mm-hmm. like we, yeah. we can't, yeah. we can't see it. Sometimes I think, I don't know if this is true about you guys, but I think I just don't really want to admit that this world is broken. Yeah. You know, so things are actually much worse than I think. But on the other hand, things are much better than I think. That's right. Because of God saying, I will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. And right. Wow. Yeah. Add as many evers in there as you have time for. And it's still true. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I love that. And before we leave Joshua, I really focused in on a lot of just single words <laughs> this time around this week. But the verbs, and I was looking at Joshua 10 in verse 8, where the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. So God is saying, I have already done this. I have already handed them over to you. Even before you face them, I have handed them over to you. So none of them will be able to stand against you. So if what Joshua's future, like what is true of him in his, because Joshua is bound by linear time, unlike God. And so Joshua's future rests on what God has already accomplished. Yeah. And that is what, I mean, that's Romans 8 too. It's like Mm -hmm. our... Things that are yet to come for us in our human experience, we are already secure in those things because of what God has already done in Jesus. And I'm pointing, I'm pointing forward and back mm-hmm. as if that's the way that it works. I understand that God doesn't work the same way that we do, but it helps me to remember, even though it doesn't seem to make logical sense, that's our God. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. You know, I, I'm reminded of this illustration that a British theologian used of a trapeze artist. And he equated our past life as something that was rooted in Christ and everything that Jesus has done on the cross, the resurrection. Our past is secure completely. Mm-hmm. And our future is secure. And we have this hope that is firm and secure and rock solid. And so when you swing out and you let go of that one bar, you might say, and before you're caught by the second trapeze artist, you're in this midair moment. He said, that's where we live. We live in the present. But even then, (laughs) the spirit is with us, even in that midair moment. And I just, you know, God has us surrounded, like you're saying, past, Mm -hmm, present, mm -hmm. future. He's just, so no matter what we go through, and I know some of the people listening are probably at some pretty rock bottom places, you yeah. know, that he is with you and he's never going to leave you. So I amazing. love the when we were saying, you know, there are not too many evers when we say he will never, ever, ever, ever leave oh, you. Yeah. But I think about, you know, and we talk about the thread of the presence of God in Scripture and within that thread, like in that is the thread of walking with God or mm. the invitation to follow God. Yes. I mean, it begins in Genesis. We get this language, of course, of God walking in the garden and hearing his footsteps. And we get, 
you know, Enoch walking with God. But that language is not just a physical one foot in front of the other. It's this motion. It's this forward motion with God. And then Jesus, God incarnate, comes and the language that he uses, not only does he have a pedestrian ministry, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does a lot of physical walking, oh, yeah. but his language of follow me mm-hmm. is just, it is all of the gospels are laden with that language when he calls his disciples to follow him, when he calls us to follow him. And so when we talk about the presence of God, there is the, you know, omnipresence of God, but there is this walking yeah. with God, this going yeah. forward in relationship alongside and and also following at the same time. Yeah. And I love getting to see that laid out and played out in scripture. Yeah. That's yeah, good. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, because the follow me that we see in this next day's reading, walking in God's presence is the title. And so we see it in Matthew when Let's see, when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew and then James and John, but the follow me is essentially walk with me, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm because they are on foot, they Mm -hmm. are literally on foot. And And then Luke 8, we have, you know, this traveling from town to town with one another preaching, telling the good news and Mm -hmm. it's naming, you know, of course the 12 are with him, but also Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, these women and men are walking with Jesus, doing the work of Jesus. It's sweet because there's just this this little portion of scripture where we get to see the incarnate God, incarnate, living with people and showing us physically what it looks like to walk with him and do his work and listen to him and be under his teaching and also serving. And I love that it includes men. It includes women. And then we get the Mary and Martha moment where he even just says like, hey, one thing is necessary. It's being with me. Sounds so simple. Yeah, that story. It's just going to haunt us for the rest of our life. <laughs> it's it? true. You know? Yes. We just can't get away from that. But story. somebody has to make the food. <laughs> I know. Well, and I don't think, I think it was a long time before I realized, you know, Jesus knocks on the door and he says, hey, it's me and the 12 guys, you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah. And so Martha, Martha, probably an Enneagram top one, just yeah. freaks out and goes into overdrive. On it. You know, and She's making a charcuterie board. She is. <laughs> I think about, I can't remember exactly where this is. I think it may be in Mark, but when Jesus calls the disciples, we're told that he chose them so that they could be with him. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that walking too, isn't mm-hmm. it? Just that they're rubbing shoulders with him every single day on the road in all kinds of circumstances. And they're they're just picking up how you do life. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Christianity is referred to as the way. Isn't that cool? I yeah. love that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love, love that. that description of our faith. You know, it's the way of life. Hey, friends, we want to take a quick break to tell you about Embrace Movement. Our daily faith routines often live separately from our health and wellness goals, but they don't have to. Embrace Movement was founded to combine those two journeys into new workouts and faith talks for every day of your work week. Founded by 10-year personal trainer and CrossFit competitor Andrea Ager, Embrace Movement has created a community of passionate and godly women that invite one another to build strength that lasts. From nutrition, to talks about how to pray in tough times, to postpartum resources and live workouts, Andrea brings her gift of teaching to all fitness levels from a Christ-centered and holistic approach. Spend 30 minutes each day growing stronger physically and carrying God's Word throughout your day. 
Our listeners can get one month of Embrace Movement free by using promo code SHEREADSTRUTH. Get more information at EmbraceMovement.com. That's movement with no vowels. So that's EmbraceMovement, M-V-M-N-T.com. Hey friends, September is the perfect month to sign up for the She Reads Truth subscription box. Because when you sign up this month, you'll receive two books in your first box. That's a $48 value for just $20. As a subscriber, you'll get every brand new study book we create delivered right to your door, plus exclusive perks like free gifts, early access to sales, and more. September's box includes not one, but two books, the book of Daniel and Proverbs, Walking in Wisdom. There has never been a better time to join. Head over to shopshereadstruth.com slash September box to subscribe today. That's shopshereadstruth.com slash September box, B-O-X. All right, back to the show. This little introductory blurb that we have on this day, we call everything a blurb. I realize that's probably an inside term, but blurb, it's kind of a weird word that it does a lot of work. It says, we are called to follow Jesus and walk with him daily, learning about life and his kingdom. And I think what I would love to ask you, Dr. Duvall, is a person who has studied the relational presence of God <laughs> for a living. Like how, I know that it means, like when Jesus says, follow me, it's like, go where I go, learn from me, listen, rest, be with me, like watch the actions that I take and how I take them, like the things that matter to me. But sometimes for me anyway, there can be a disconnect or I can struggle to make the connection to, okay, but Amanda in 2020, walk with me, learn from me, live like me. And I think sometimes that connection can feel so abstract that we give up on trying to make it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, And it's one of the things that I think is valuable about this study book or there are exercises in here about practicing the presence of God which is not even language that I use much, essentially just doing things to be aware of God's presence. But anyway, speak to us about all of this that we've studied. When we get to this right here, where we are called to walk with Jesus, help us connect what we've learned with how we're to live. Yeah. You know, two or three things come to mind here because it's, there's just a lot sort of floating around in my head on this. Yeah. One thing is, so I'm going to give you two thoughts. One thing is that we all deal with what I call moralism, with this feeling that we have to fix our lives and present them before the Lord. And John Coe, who's out at Talbot Seminary, wrote an amazing article on how moralism is really crippling for a lot of Christians because it takes our desire to please and it turns it into a requirement. Hmm. And We just feel like God saved us. He did that part. But now it's up to me, you know, to grow in the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way we came to faith in Christ, which was just simple trust, is the way you keep living. So I think throughout the day, we just encounter all kinds of situations and people and circumstances. And it's just that constant, and it's John 15, really, it's that constant abiding in him where you're having honest conversations with the Lord throughout the day. 
So our prayer life changes from something I have to do to present, you know, this perfect person to the Lord to, I'm just going to talk with you about everything going on in my life and everything is before you. And, you know, you really start to learn how to pray. And then we need a lot of things to remind us to do that. You know, you need habits and practices and a community and mentors. And, you know, you need this complex web of help because it's just too easy. We kind of lose our minds every day, don't we? Yeah. (laughs) We, We just need help remembering. And that's why remember is such a big word in scripture, I think. Don't forget that this is how all this works and this is who you are and this is how I want you to live. And But I think a big thing for me is just getting past moralism of thinking that Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, it's my job to bring spiritual maturity to my life. I realize that that's the spirit's work and my job is to abide and to listen. And like you're saying, you know, Rachel, to walk. So that is such a struggle. And we really is. is. And we see in Mark eight, there is a, kind of a three-stepper that Jesus actually offers. And I don't know that it's a step one, step two, step three, but he actually says a little more than follow me. He says, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And talks about that following Jesus isn't all apple red happiness. Mm-hmm. Like no. It isn't about us. And no. it isn't about us. Yeah. That's exactly right. That living, walking in relationship with the Lord is unifying with Him and becoming more like Him. Like it's the sanctification. And so deny Himself, take up His cross and follow me sounds a little less appealing than just the like call to follow me. Yes. There's yeah, something yeah, more to the Christian yeah. life than that. And that's important to see. Oh, really is. I think what people hear the Christian life is at the beginning will really influence how it turns out for them. Yeah. So if we just say, all you have to do is, and fill in a blank, <laughs> and we skip past, you know, the clear teachings of Jesus on this, mm-hmm. where he's basically saying, you have to decide that you're not in charge of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the big decision in life. Is it going to be self-reliance or am I going to submit to my creator? Which sounds both simple and so complicated. Yes. Or, or let me even say like, sounds so easy. Okay. I'm not in charge of myself, but yeah. that's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's so difficult. Yeah. And then but, that second part, you know, yes, take up your cross, which I think basically means you are now willing to walk this path of suffering. Yeah. In other words, you, you are willing, you know, to stay in this world and walk with Jesus and you may not have your path be, you know, strung with roses. I mean, it could be tough. Yeah. Yeah. That same verse, it kind of made me chuckle, which it doesn't feel like a chuckling verse, but, (laughs) but because when I was reading it this time, I realized, so it says, this is Mark 8, 34, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he, Jesus said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And for a second, I was like, so essentially he's saying, if anyone wants to follow after me, then follow me. Like, if you want to follow me, follow me. Yeah. But this is what's going to happen. Like, the denying yourself and taking up your cross is part of that. Yeah. But it just, you know, we did this last week with Whitney, too, talking about, wait, it's simple, but it's not simple. But it is, but it isn't. Sometimes it strikes me just right where I'm like, it really is following really is just following. Yeah. But the just, the just is misplaced there because it entails so much, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, 
It means doing what his disciples were doing. Go where he goes. Dr. Duvall, how would that have fallen on their ears? Because for us, we read that, and when we read Jesus say, take up his cross, we immediately think about Jesus' cross. But this, of course, is before Jesus was crucified. So how yeah. would that have fallen on their ears? Yeah, I don't think most you know, Jewish folk back then would have imagined a path of suffering in their discipleship, you might say. You know, if Jesus is being sort of portrayed as a bit of a Jewish rabbi or teacher here, they would have thought maybe more about the way of life. Yeah. But, you know, he's almost literally saying, I'm going to walk a particular direction and you're going to follow right behind me. Yeah. You got a cross too. Not but the cross need. to them is it's an offensive symbol. Like it's oh, like yeah. Jesus is saying, take up your guillotine or take yeah, up your yeah. electric chair yeah, and yeah. follow me. And so that feels like it would have been an offensive thing to oh, hear. Very, very much so. And I think that's why he says, if anyone wants to. Yeah. I mean, we sometimes are, I don't know if it's the pressure of feeling like we have to be successful as a church, you know, but we're not really quick to say, hey, you know, this is there if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of trying to sort of talk people into stuff with (laughs) with all the added, you know, baggage. And then in the end, you know, they kind of come back to this anyway, if you want to follow me. And so, you know, this was tough. I mean, this was near the end of his ministry and Mm -hmm. it's hard. I mean, it gets really hard at the end. So he feels very deserted, I'm sure. It's what we were reminded about those first 20 chapters of Revelation. That, yeah, like this is the goal. 21 is the goal. Like that's where we're promised we will be. But right now we're in the middle of the trapeze and the cross is offensive and hard and... Dying to ourselves feels like that doesn't quite make sense. Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we would do that because of what's on the other side of the trapeze, yeah. because yeah. of the secure hope. Like we have to believe in the security of both our past and our future. It sounds almost like a trust fall, like where you just have to yeah, go, it is. do I believe that this is true? And do I believe that this is true? If so, I'm going to do something that seems completely upside down. Yeah, I'm going to die to myself so that I can live. What? Yeah, that yeah. sounds crazy. And there's a, you know, there's a whole future to this. I mean, the, our hope is definitely something we experience now, but you've got this entire future. And I almost imagine with that same analogy that if a person says, no, I'm not going to do that, then they just stay on that one bar swinging back and forth and they, they don't have a future. Yeah. You know, even though it feels secure. Mm-hmm. But that's also because nothing can be changed about the past. Yeah. That past is secure, all of it, including the curse in the garden. And so when we don't choose to swing all the way and choose, I know that there's a whole conversation there that I'm stepping (laughs) into. Yeah, our metaphor metaphor fails us a little bit. Metaphors, human metaphors almost always fail. All good metaphors do. It'll break down. But the past is already secure and it is unchanging. Yeah, the cross of resurrection. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So, boom, with that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we get to now talk about the Holy Spirit. So we talked last week about Pentecost um, Pentecost and that just radical display of the Spirit descending on believers. And Whitney rightly pointed out, like, the Spirit has always been active. The Spirit is active in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament before Pentecost, but that, you know, there was 
obviously something really significant about Pentecost, but what we're reading... And that's um, the spirit dwelling in us, the down payment yeah, of our inheritance. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's yeah. what we're going to talk about. And this is the day 25 of the reading plan, but it's called God's presence is with us always. And that is the, not just fact, but like the reality mm-hmm. that God is present within believers through the Holy Spirit. And we talked a little bit last week about how wild that is, you know, and now, but these passages... That we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. yeah. But these passages, there's a word that comes up a lot in this, and there are a lot of words come up a lot in this, but the word peace, you know, peace in oh. there in John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father, which pause, you know, like, why would we rejoice that you're going away? But because the Father is greater than I, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe yeah, just that. And then again in John 20, you know, when he commissions them, like, peace be with you. Yeah. Peace be with you. It's interesting. It makes me, I hadn't noticed the theme, obviously, of course, of peace. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that. But in this reading, it makes me think of Haggai 2, which we read about last week. And it is this promise mm-hmm. after God's presence has left the temple. And it says, the final glory of his house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of armies. I will provide peace in this place. Mm -hmm. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. And so this peace coming from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is, that's what's happening. That was what was promised. And of course, Jesus, I mean, like all of the things, like all of this is the fulfillment of these prophecies. You know, one of the cool things, if you put yourself back in their shoes, you know, this is the night before he goes to the cross and they're all probably just completely freaking out that he told them he's leaving. And then he says, you know, it's going to be better for you. And they're, yeah, right. Um, (laughs) You know, but he uses an expression. He says, the father will give you another counselor. And there are two things going on there. The word for another in Greek, you could have another of the same kind or another of a different kind. Okay. So like Paul says to the Galatians, you know, he talks about preaching another gospel and it's a different gospel. Mm -hmm. But here... It's the word for the same kind. So an additional word. Yeah. I'm going to give you another, just like me, counselor. Okay. And then the word counselor, which is so cool, is we think, you know, counselor, someone who helps you kind of work through your problems or maybe a legal counselor. Mm-hmm. The best translation I've seen of this word, because it, English has a hard time really capturing it, is, and you could even capitalize this, helping presence. Okay. I'm going to give you another of the same kind helping Mm -hmm. presence. And I'm not going to leave you. To be with you forever. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, you have now just, I know you're freaking out, but you've been assured that I have a plan and it doesn't involve me leaving you ever, but it's going to take a bit of a different form. Now, you know, that could actually be good. I mean, you can play the would you rather game? (laughs) Would you rather follow Jesus around the Sea of Galilee? But when he leaves, he's gone or live today and have the spirit, you know? So yeah, it's a cool promise. Yes, it is. It is. 
I think of when you were first describing the trapeze analogy and that there when we're in midair, that we're still secure because the presence of God is with the spirit is with yeah. us. Yeah. The peace of God is with us. It reminds me of a Michael W. Smith song. I think he's the one that wrote it. I don't know of anyone else because he's done that a few times, written songs, that can write a song that is so powerful and catchy that uses only two lines. Like it is a whole song, two lines, mm-hmm. and it's it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And the other line is, this is how I fight my battles. And so, I mean, you probably, many of you listening, I'm sure you've heard it. But there are times when I think back of like, you know, over the past few years, like the darkest times that my family's walked through, that song has ministered just really deeply to me. And it's that. It may look like I'm surrounded, like my circumstances are what they are, and they're bleak, and they're hard, and it's dark, but I'm surrounded by you. And so like that is... I mean, that really, you can just pan out. And I mean, that's a lot of the Christian life. Like Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Mm -hmm. But take heart. Mm -hmm. I've overcome the world, and Mm -hmm. I'm with you always. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming back for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you will be with me (laughs) forever in paradise. So like it's God's presence is... It's not, yes, the song is the vehicle, but it's God's presence that's ministering mm-hmm. in those moments. Yeah. Of, and the song yeah. captures deep scriptural truth. It really you know? does. How I mean, does he do that? Well, I mean, I just love when songwriters do that because yeah. what you're really relying on is God's truth. And they just managed to kind of rephrase it. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. sometimes that's what you need to hear it in a new mm-hmm. way and it, it sticks with you. Yeah, give it a melody. We were just get right in there. We were singing Be Thou My Vision in church mm-hmm. two weeks ago. And so we're in mm-hmm. the middle of kind of planning and thinking through this study. And I jotted down a couple of the lines because I just thought, oh, like that's that's what we're talking about here. It where is, it says, really. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. And then the last verse, or maybe second to last verse, Be Thou My Vision and Thou My True Word, I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father and I thy true son, thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Like, I mean, yeah. that's more words than Michael W. Smith's song. <laughs> totally different. But, Beautiful in very different ways. But my goodness, I just yeah. like seeing that mm-hmm. in corporately in a community of believers. And just, you know, we talked last week about corporate worship being this foretaste of heaven and to be singing about the presence of God, his presence, our light. You just, I mean, that is... As we die to ourselves and we take up our cross and we follow him, that is not scary. No, his presence is our good. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. we're back to the, you know, the child. If they're with their parents. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that we're getting close to the end of our time, but I feel like we've almost made it here through <laughs> all of these topics that we should stick the landing. We have eternity in God's presence is the last reading day. And the blurb, as I've taught you, is our word, (laughs) says, In Christ, our place in God's presence is secure. We cannot be separated from his love. And what I'm so encouraged by in this conversation and in this collection of scriptures is that that starts now. Eternity starts now. Like his presence 
We cannot be separated from his love now and for eternity. And then we have John 10, which I just want to like curl up into John 10 as my blanket (laughs) and read about Jesus as the good shepherd because it's just so comforting. Yeah. We need that. I know some of your listeners probably have heard this before, but this really, you know, I grew up on the translation everlasting life rather yeah. than. Yeah. Yeah. Is that NIV? And yeah. 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 Well, I don't know. I think that's KJV? maybe. Even, yeah. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know, someone explained it to me one time that it's actually life of the ages or life of the age to come. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just one word. So what he's done is taken heaven and brought it into our world now. And he's saying, yeah. I will give you life of the age to come, but it starts now. That's eternal. Yeah. And I like that. So, you know, that explains why I think sometimes you think, wow, my circumstances are horrible. But then you you look around and you think, but I've got peace and joy and, you know, good relationships. And you just number all these things and you think, no, I'm I'm kind of living a heavenly sort of life right now. And thank you, Lord, for that. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to read some of these verses for us before we close. But John 10, this is verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. Hmm. This is why the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. And verse 19, and the Jews were divided because of these words. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were. But just that, that like the key verse, we've mentioned it a few times already for this reading plan that we chose is Psalm 73, 28. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. And the shepherd's presence is the flock's good mm-hmm. in all the ways. He protects, he provides, he provides rest and sustenance, like all of the things. And I love that image so, so much. And the no one takes it from me. Yeah. I mean, these are his terms. Like He's <laughs> laying down his life on his terms. I love that it's clear, like, who's in charge here? Yeah, it speaks to your heart because I think we all desperately need a shepherd, don't we? (laughs) Yes, yes, we do. I know that we have to wrap up. I have a benediction in mind for our time together. And we'll let you choose the benediction. Do I do do benediction first or do I do beauty, goodness, and truth? Let's do beauty, goodness, and truth. Yeah, let's do it. Because we've talked about a lot of beauty, goodness, and truth. I love that. In scripture. Yeah. And so, Dr. Duvall, we like to look up and around and see. And ask you, where are you seeing beauty, goodness, and truth just in your everyday life? In listening to several podcasts, I've picked up on you guys doing this. And I thought, I think about my students, you know, these who are opening their hearts to follow Jesus. And they're so committed to his word and they love each other. And I just you know, I feel hopeful for the church because I'm, I get to work with some of the the future leaders and they're just, you know, people like 
Jess Lamb a few years ago. Yep. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. they go on to do wonderful things. And so I don't know which one that fits into, maybe all of them, but I'm grateful. Oh, yeah, I think so. I love that. That gives me hope. You know, to Rachel and I would talk about that sometimes when we back when travel was a thing and we would occasionally even then we didn't travel and speak much. But anytime we would, we felt like we could come back and like we had been ambassador sent out and we could come back to our team and say the church is alive and well in that city where we were, you know, so at Washita Baptist, like the church is alive there and you're reporting that to us. And it's so important to hear. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. important to hear that there are 18 year olds in love with Jesus yeah. and yeah. passionate about studying his word and then inviting the rest of the flock in like, come on. You oh, know? I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. That's so good. Ray, do you have something this week? Did I catch you off guard? You caught me off guard. I, um, I think that my beauty, goodness and or truth would be community. And that's tough right now. That's really tough. But we have been able to start kind of very carefully, masks on, socially distanced, re-attending church. And that corporate worship, I mean, we've been worshiping in our living room. Yeah. And that was really fun and special for the first couple of weeks until it yeah. wasn't. And it was yeah. just like, no, I don't want to learn a new song. I don't, yeah. I, I don't understand what's happening. But being able to physically gather with the body, I don't mm-hmm. know that I'll ever take that for granted again. And I hope that I don't, and I probably will, actually, but I don't want to. And it was so sweet for the very first time since March to take yeah. communion. You know, I'm reminded of what Jesus said to his disciples at the end of Matthew. It's in Matthew 26. I mean, he was instituting the supper and he said, I'm not going to drink this again until I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Yeah. And some traditions will even have an empty chair on the communion table because it's symbolic that Jesus is not in heaven having a party while we're struggling here on earth. It won't start without us. And this messianic banquet is all planned, but, you know, it's not going to start until... He's been with us this whole time, but one day we will be with him. I and, love that. And that's when the party starts. So that communion is us remembering and also anticipating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's past and future. It's the whole yeah. thing like we've been talking about. That's so good. I love that. So, so yeah, it's been really sweet to gather with our church and to physically be there in the pews and looking around, singing corporate worship and knowing this is a foretaste of heaven. The peeling away of the layers of the communion set little set it's yeah really. taking a little weight it, it's a, we're not tearing bread gripping and dipping anymore not anymore <laughs> sure not yeah but it's interesting and it's been interesting to see you know everyone returning at their own pace and for so many reasons and also just going like oh i long for the day where we're shoulder to shoulder you know yeah and if that's not until glory oh. you know i can long i hope it's not i oh. hope it's before glory please or just you know <laughs> lord come back and How then long we'll, lord. yeah but yeah so that's been really sweet. what about you it. amanda You know, the thing that comes to mind for me today is actually an album that some friends of ours, I'm going to call them friends of ours, even though we've only seen them in person one time, Taylor Leinhart and Jess Ray, they together, they are a group called Mission House and they do just really scripture saturated worship music. And I was thinking about that because Dr. Duvall, as you were saying that like what it looks like to walk, one of the things is to remember And I feel like that's what that record is doing for me right now. It's Mm -hmm. helping me to remember not just scripture, but also just the reality of the kingdom, 
which it feels like a little bit of a tall order right now to remember the reality of the kingdom. Mm. And, but yeah, I mean, it always is. And so, yeah, that's mine. It's beautiful. I'll link to it so you guys can listen, but it's good. That's awesome. Well, so next week we are beginning a read through of the book of Daniel, which we're no big deal. real excited about. First half of the book of Daniel. Cool. I mean, kind of quirky, but cool. Second Some half really of the, amazing stories. Second half of the book of Daniel. Put on your seatbelt. And here we go. <laughs> it's going to be a good. I mean, we're so excited about yeah. going through that. So that's next Monday will be episode one of that series. And we're bringing your friend, Dr. Yes. Hayes, in oh, for the third cool. of three weeks. So yes. that's great. You yeah, that'll him. be fantastic. I want to give us a benediction before yeah. we close. And that would be, I think I would love to read to y'all from Romans chapter 14, verse 8. And this is really a benediction over today as well as this entire study. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. That's beautiful. All right. Well, we will be back again next week with the book of Daniel. Yes. Dr. Uh, Duvall, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you. So so amazing to be with you guys. And then, of course, until next week, what do we tell our listeners? Keep opening your Bibles. 